Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. we're back back for part two of this super interesting episode having some fun uh, and at the last part of the last the previous episode we started asking these questions about you know what systems do and do not count as ideology and propaganda and so we we focused a lot on science yeah um, but then we said that there are other let's say adjacent institutions that pull from science or other institutions that maybe don't have anything to do with science that maybe are at least, um, you know, how would you say, fair game for examining, right, with regard to their propaganda status. And we mentioned a couple. Um, you actually, when we were off, off air, what do you call this? Anyway, <laughs> in between the, the, the recordings. Well, not recording. Recordings. That's, that's the word. Um, you had mentioned another one I didn't mention, which is the justice system. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's an interesting one too. And what what were your thoughts on that? I, I was saying that you know the justice system by definition establishes a truth that is the absolute truth, and it becomes official, and nothing else you know can, that cannot be revised. One, you know, after it goes through appeals and everything like that, that is the official truth, and it suppresses by definition everything else. Mm-hmm. So is the entire justice system a giant propaganda machine? I have a question. Do you want to? Well, I was just going to say it's it's uh, just a practical line that society draws, right? They're like, we have to resolve issues when they come up. What's the best way of resolving it? And by definition, right, it, it comes to a conclusion, but it's a conclusion drawn through a couple, you know, skillful, manipulative, if you want to say lawyers, and then a group of regular old citizens who look at it and they're moved by emotions and they're tired and they want to go home and they want to get back to work and they come to a conclusion an answer. And as Giuseppe said, that becomes, that becomes the answer, right? So, um, in a way we treat the outcomes, it's exactly or very similar to what we were talking about in the last episode. We treat the outcomes as, uh, you know, justice served case closed. We have all these terms. Um, but we admit it, it was just the decision that was made and we're going to close the book and we're going to move on. Um, so yeah, it seems to be a really kind of literal way of illustrating um, what we're talking about. And, and there's this kind of complicated two-sidedness, which I think illustrates it well, which is when you really talk about it, we admit that's what it is. Um, but when we refer to it more casually, we talk about it with more weight and gravity. I think that the answer to the question def- depends on how you define justice um, and how that institution is justifying based on that definition, right? Because there are different conceptions. It's like if the system is not acting as the sole arbiter of truth, as God, in a manner of speaking, and just saying, listen, this is practical, 
This seems to produce the best outcome. This is how we do things. If you don't want to do things like that, you could go somewhere else. You could try to change it. But I know this is just what we have to work with. That seems to be not propaganda or at least not to the same extent as the alternative, which is, you know, I'm thinking of the, the Twilight Zone episode, The Obsolete Man, right, where the state and the justice system just determine you are obsolete to the people if they're not beneficial to the state, if and you have no choice. And it's not, this is just um, how we run things. This is not just how we produce good results. It's like, I am God, and this is the way. This is the word. Aren't the results the same, though? I mean, the, when the justice system says... This is who you are. You're guilty. No matter what, mm -hmm. you can protest your innocence as much as you want. And once it's established, it's established, right? And I was thinking while you were saying that, well, what's, what's more quintessential propaganda than, in theory, right? Making you believe that we're just doing this because it's the practical way. Mm -hmm. We're just doing this because this is the way we solve conflicts and mm -hmm. we move on. Could it be other ways? Sure, but this is the most efficient one. What's better than that? It's certainly, it's certainly like fertile ground for that, right? And it depends on who's, if the person or system has ulterior motive. And I think the language is kind of key here because if you're looking at a case and the verdict, it's like, are you saying you are guilty? You did this thing. Or are you saying the court has found you to be guilty? The verdict given out is that you are guilty. That's different. The, sure, the language is different, but again, I'll insist on the results. You're still going to jail. Oh, no, true. It's <laughs> right, right, right. It's, not, it's certainly imperfect, but I think no, no, but I know what you're saying. it does make Jokes a big aside. difference, right? Be between like the magistrate saying, like, I have determined that you are guilty and that is the truth, versus like, I, maybe you're not, but all the evidence points to that and the jury voted you are, so we're going to act as if that is the case. And at least on paper, you're allowed to appeal things. True. I, I think that the effect is certainly the same for the individual who goes to jail, but I would think, hope that the cultural effect would be different. Um, like if, if we were honest about how and why we were coming to certain conclusions and to kind of pivot away from the legal system. Um, in the last episode, we were talking about how does this stuff get enforced in a more social way, in a, in a non-legal way. Um, and so I'm thinking of you know, to bring it into a contemporary issue, all like the cancel culture debates that go on. Right. Um, and when a company lets somebody go because they did something controversial and often the company will say like, this was an evil person and we denounce <laughs> what they have done and we cannot have evil like this, you know, poisoning the halls of our company. Um, but once in a while, maybe a CEO would say, I can't have this bad press. You got to go. It's it's business, baby. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm assuming a lot of those conversations happen behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think there would be some kind of societal benefit, even though that person would still lose their job. If people would be honest and say, I can't have this kind of conflict in the boardroom, you're out. Right. Rather than right. I'm going to publicly denounce this person's character and anybody that's like this person. Right. I'm not um, doing it because you are evil and I am siding with this thing necessarily. Like I'm just doing it because it's I think it's good for business or something like that, which is unfortunate and sleazy and shows a lack of character and integrity. But like you're saying, it, it at the very least removes this illusion of like sole God determination. determination thing. Well, at least it makes a difference between the, the individual character and the act that might be 
judged in a specific way by this large jury that those those the, the internet has become quite frankly mm -hmm. that's that's where the issue resides i guess right mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if the issues that we and we seem to have made this connection already if the issues that we see with the justice system in general isn't what is being exported from from the courts and is being implanted into mm. those other platforms right which we were talking before the, the youtube the, the the facebook the instagram or whatever else right and maybe with the difference that the control, the, the apparatus behind it, right? It's different at this point. It's not the state, and therefore, you know, for better or worse, it's controlled mm -hmm. in a specific way, in an established way that was, hopefully, at a certain point, decided by the people. And instead, is established by those those entrepreneurs, those capitalists, however you want to call them, <laughs> uh, that control those companies, and therefore the rules are a little bit, they're, they're less stringent, they're more vague, and they allow for even more propaganda there, because we are. And not just the entrepreneurs, but the algorithms that they program, right? And then mm. that largely run in ways that the entrepreneurs don't fully understand or didn't fully account for, because every time you create something, it has intended outcomes and unintended outcomes and things you know that you don't even realize are happening until you're kind of knee deep in it and the users i was thinking yeah. of users too because when this happens um so back in the day <laughs> before the internet existed obviously do you people, remember those days I, so, so me and clara <laughs> often talk about that i feel like our generation or at least our spot in our generation is really unique. Um, and as a result of this uniqueness is really susceptible to many things. But the uniqueness comes from the fact that like we were on the cusp of the old world, quote unquote, and the new world. Mm -hmm. Like we remember not having a computer. We were raised for the first X amount of years of our life on not computers. Like I didn't get a computer till I was uh, 10 or 11. And that's pretty significant versus someone who is raised on that system who literally doesn't even know that there's a world beyond that thing. Think of this. I got my first computer when I was going to college. Yeah. yeah. No, no, this, this is, is significant, wow. right? That's how old I am. That's how old I am. Uh, I think even beyond computers, like the the social media, yes. internet, sure, and the internet is the in your base. pocket thing. Yeah. I think that's even more significant because, you know, yeah, there's like everything. Yeah. 80s movies where the computer nerds or whatever they did the on big the computers. Box right, you're just playing <laughs> right, but Doom it or something. It didn't have the same kind of like all-encompassing cultural shift as, absolutely, um, you and know, post-2000 or even a little beyond that. Yeah, um, and so one of the things I always say is like the internet and these associated things are, are not just things in addition to reality, but once they get integrated, they become the form in such a way that they change what reality is for those who are in that. And everyone who's being born now is very literally living in a different world than, than people, right? And that I think this ties into the, the ideology thing. But um, to... I was going to say, it reminded me of the, the scriptures in Planet of the oh, Apes, right? Yes, we're, all, exactly. we're all operating within, like, internet world. And so there's, like, the truth, and then there's the internet truth. And there's, like, kind of this constant uh, medi mediation between, um, yeah, us and the ideas. And so the, the thing we were saying before is... Uh, 
the entrepreneurs, right? You were saying. So what I would call them is like the the wannabe state in the the corporatist clothing or something like that. Um, they create this platform with the, they use such positive language. It's crazy. Do you watch these like like the Davos meeting where like the Google exec talks and stuff and they're like, we're making the world a better place. We're connecting everyone. We're improving, making your life so much easier, so much more efficient. Well, uh, practicality is not the good life, right? Uh, instant dopamine hits is not the good life. Um, but yeah, it's, it, they use this positive sounding language to push something which so very obviously, if you think about it, has all these uh, scary, if not outright um, horrible, uh, <laughs> con- I was going to say consequences. But um, so what I was going to say is you have the the companies doing this platform, which seems open, right, despite the fact that they're very clearly using it to promote a to promote a certain type of thought pattern and a certain type of person and a certain type of conversation. So they have ulterior motives. Um, I call it confidence, right? Let, sure, sure, right? There's a desire th- and, and there's the, the motive to maintain itself, right? The Thrasymachus view here. And then there's the fact that, like Clara's saying, the, the structure of the system is promoting certain things. And then there's the fact that the users are doing certain things. And there's a sense in which the users are and are not more free, and as a result of that freedom have power. The sense that they are not free is that what they're seeing is controlled by the programs. Um, Like something came up when we were at your cousin's house the other day, and I was talking to uh, your cousin's husband now? No, fiance. he was showing me an Instagram. They implemented this thing kind of secretly where it's, there's a switch you can press. It'll be like, show me things that only you think I would like. And it's like, it was just on by default. Right. And so this is, this is the, how would you say like the seed for echo chambers and all these things. But so they're not free in that sense, although there's the, the illusion, but there is a sense in which they do have power because users now which is weird, people are just users, versus people in the quote-unquote old world have the power to do some really big things. Some of them good, but a lot of them bad. And one of those things being taking away your freedom, taking away your ability to do this or that, right? Fundamentally altering your reputation and the quality of your life. So So, it's crazy crazy stuff. stuff. Which if you think about it, that's pure gold for those companies because sure. those companies make a living out of consent and now you have the people that are buying your product that are producing the consent that you need yeah. in order to keep on existing and you don't even have to do anything. It's like manufactured consent. You just have people doing the job that you're supposed to do and that's it and they just do it because you fed them that this is the way you conduct yourself I guess, right? Yeah. Which sounds pretty much like propaganda. And there's a difference between buy this knife, it'll benefit you. And then you buy the knife and it's, hey, it's a good knife and it benefits me and also it benefits you because you profit from it. And that's that's cool, right? Uh, like a mutually beneficial transaction and the social media platforms being like, hey, use this, it'll benefit your life. That's That's different. The way the social media and internet affects your life is not like I just bought this product from the store. The, the complicated thing, I think, is um, I, 
the illusion, but it's not even just an illusion, which is like to go back. It's not as complicated as the social media giants sit in a room like, ha, 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 we're right. going to spread this message. Like we, we are the product, right? Like we do click on certain things and to go back to the algorithms, spend more times on certain pages and, um, they automatically adjust based on that. Right. So it's not just like buy this knife, buy this knife. Like you were the one looking up stuff that right. 90% of people who look up that kind of stuff tend to like knives. And so it's it's this tension between like it's more individualized and you're more in control in the sense that you're not just subjected to the same billboards and Times Square as everybody else. It's your own personal billboards. So it's like it's I'm in control. I'm an individual. But at invasive. the same time, it, there's this invasive element. Yeah. Where um, back, back to a concept we were talking about in the previous episode, um, it's it's more covert. It's. Uh, harder to shake your finger at and condemn because you you are quote unquote in control in a way that you weren't in the past. Because and right and the person that would try to challenge you would say like, well, point to it, point to the thing doing it, and the point you're making is precisely it's it's not that it's not like that. It's like all these different moving parts that are designed, some intentionally, some not to look like something other than what it is like its sole purpose is to be transparent and that's what sole purpose is to be transparent um the social media platforms the internet companies any of these things right to become a user without knowing that you were a user so to speak that's kind of what i mean and why people would challenge you being like no that's not propaganda i have the freedom point to where it is and the point's like well no it's not as you said the guy in the robe at the the judge booth or the people in the office like Mr. Burns doing this thing. So I'm thinking that basically we have moved from from a model, I mean and I'm not inventing anything here. Uh, we have moved from a model where um, there was the exploiter and the exploited and there were two different people, right? Of course the person who's making the profit, right? In in uh, is the one who exploits whoever works for him, right? And exploit, again, we, maybe you should have an episode about this. Uh, when I say exploiter and exploited, it doesn't mean necessarily that the exploiter does this to exploit the exploited. Mm. It's just the nature of the way the system works, right? I need to make a profit off of you, my worker, right? Otherwise, this whole thing that we call capitalism doesn't work. That's just the way it is. But we move from this, from... We move away, and now there's one individual only that's both things. I am the exploiter and the exploited at the same time when I'm on social media. I And this makes me feel empowered because I think I'm the my own boss, right? I'm in charge. And, I, and I'm in charge. But in reality, you don't understand that you are doing somebody else's bidding. It just You cannot say who it is anymore. It's just this algorithm, maybe. Or it becomes your darkest secrets. Or it becomes... You, you're enslaved by your own passions, which are the things that make you click here and there, and then you're trapped into this thing, and you're into this chamber that doesn't, you never get out. Mm -hmm. You're trapped into this, into this bubble, which again, sounds like propaganda and ideology. And so, could we map the, the language of exploitation onto propaganda? Like, you are both propagandizing and being propagandized when you're I, I think on so. the internet? I think so. It becomes so 
self-serving that really the only thing that exists is you. I mean, I probably Antoine doesn't like this, but that won't be the first time. <laughs> but I'm saying, I think social media, paradoxically, is the triumph of individualism. Mm. Yeah, where I get only sure. only the individual exists, and only my needs and my desire and what I think really counts. Yeah. And at the same time, is the place when your specific um, what can we say uniqueness mm -hmm. dissolves itself because mm -hmm. then you become exactly like all those other sheep's consumers. Yeah, I actually agree a hundred percent. That's good. No, no, no. Yeah, because I think I think, I think it, it, it's a certain type of individualism to the extreme level, which to me is like egocentrism or maybe even more specific like id centrism or something like that it's like not the kind of individualism of classical liberalism or anything like that it's like it it devolves into a kind of relativism mm. so at once there's like this authoritative structure which is like kind of controlling everything whether directly or indirectly but by means of separating people off into these relativistic universes where you're in charge and you could do exactly what you're thinking but actually you're not just thinking because we're watching your thoughts as you click on things so it's like being in an interrogation room where there's like the two-sided mirror on all sides of your mind but, yes so and just to, to go back to what claire was saying yes i think that is very much possible you are the propagandier and that the propagandized at the same time, right? We're making words up. That's, good. Uh, That's what philosophy, philosophy is, right? <laughs> <It's> word <laughs> making up. And, uh, and, but that also goes in the direction of kind of, not contradicting, but expanding what we were saying before. Because at the same time, you're saying we are isolated, right? But then how come everybody's posting the same memes, right? How come everybody's thinking there, there's this one-dimensional thought that comes and maybe you know in, in the United States now it's kind of um, we usually say that well, the country is divided right mm. the country is divided it makes you think that they're like everybody's against each other but then you look and at the end of the day most people think exactly the same thing mm. on one side right and then most people think exactly the same thing on the other side mm -hmm. and I claim that if you really look at the end of the day most people think exactly the same thing they're just expressing it a little bit different it's like the uniform the one dimensionality of thought that comes from this self-inflicted propaganda that is in place mm -hmm. that's destroying us I think that's what it is mm -hmm. and I don't think I don't I don't know I have a hard time um, what can I say? Judging in a bad way social media and things like that, the mean in itself, I think is what we have done with it that has brought us to this point. Because TV was accused of yeah. the same thing uh, in the 80s, probably, right? When it became endemic. And uh, I'm sure that the first books were accused of being the same thing before, yeah. because now everybody has access to the same idea. You know, that's, everybody's going to think the same because now everybody's going to read the same thing. Uh, so, me, again, I'm really, really hesitant to, to do that. But there is a different level here. And the level is the fact that it's in my pocket all the time. So it's, that's the problem. I, cannot sh I shut off the TV, 
But then I go upstairs and I'm on my phone, right? Right. right. It's, it's like it's a drug. drug. And it becomes more drug-like the longer it goes on. And so to respond to your thing about the tool, because I feel like that's that's a pretty good critique, right? The idea is a tool in itself is neither good nor bad. It's how you use it. But there are some people who would argue, you know, there's this idea, no, the medium is the message, right? Um, like I was looking yeah. at this book by this guy. Uh, he has a funny name, Jerry Mander. That's his real name. <laughs> um, and he had this book from, uh, I don't, I think it was like, maybe the 80s he wrote it, and it was called Four Arguments Against the Television, basically, yep. right? And he talks about this idea that, you know, it's noble and seemingly logical to say, like, it's just a tool, it's about how we use it, but he thinks it actually, that's not true. He thinks the tool, to the extent that it is a tool, limits the set of outcomes and things that it can be used for. So it actually does control the content and the messages being produced, you know? So I think social media, so if television did that, right, by having everyone in front of the TV at a specific time, by showing things from certain two-dimensional camera angles and editing them in a specific way, if that did that back then, then like, geez, we're in a bad place given how much things have advanced. Well, I was just going to say television maybe is... And not maybe it's a step closer towards that uh, more quote unquote like old school old style, style propaganda, style. which is the Nazi, the Nazi stuff. stuff. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, where, where you know CBS says this is the message of the day, and then mm. that message goes out, and every family is sitting in front of their TV at seven o'clock, so they get that message. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now the the division that Giuseppe's talking about is the fact that. Um, you know, you log on at all times a day and your news feed looks different than my news feed. Um, and, you know, depending on what quote unquote side you're on there, there is an overwhelming amount of overlap. But um, there's not the same maybe like even embodied communal aspect. Right. You're not sitting around the TV with your family. I was just going to say while that, your yeah. neighbors are all sitting around the same or the same channel, different TV with their families. Um, it's like a, a more physically isolated activity and to go back to the beginning of the episode when when you are the one you are in the feedback loop right you are clicking on certain things and whatever um it is strangely isolating in a way that the the old the television was not so i agree with what you're saying i, I was just thinking though it's interesting this aspect this this communal aspect that's missing right um and you were saying because everybody at the same time was doing the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. And this this doesn't seem to be the case anymore. But then again, I'm content that we still do the same thing, all, but now we do it all the time. Mm -hmm. We shut off our brain constantly now because we, instead of looking at TV, we do this. Again, mm -hmm. if you go to public transportation, right? Right. If you look for a second, everybody's doing the same thing at the same time. Just the content is delivered differently, right? And it's you're doing, doing it alone. alone. And you're doing it alone. Right? right. Like you're not, you're not there together. Right? There's the watching TV, like the family activity, you know, traditional Simpsons, yeah. right? Watching TV. You are all watching the same thing, but you're there together, right? Something as basic as you're in the same room. Your bodies are comported in a certain way for this activity. Your thoughts are structured in the environment in a specific way, getting this message, right? And like you're you're still kind of paying attention to each other because you are in a thing together. Whereas when everyone has the like, if we're all imagine the Simpsons just on a phone, right? I think that's probably one of the intros. Everyone on their separate phone. Um, even though they're in the same room, they're not 
in dash the dash same dash room, right? In like a Heideggerian sense, because there's like a private bubble veil between everyone, and it just really breaks up the the how would you say the happening. I'm wondering, and this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but uh, too bad. Uh, I'm wondering if this has to do with the dimension of the things, mm. of the tools that we're using to, like the physical dimensions. I'm wondering if the fact that I'm holding a phone in my hand and it's small enough in my hand it's also what causes because the problem cannot be that I'm looking at something because right. otherwise TV would be the same thing right. so it's got to be the fact that it's small enough that only I can look at it and I was noticing that the fact that you know when I try to do this when I try to show something to my kids for example and it's on my phone I will give them the phone right and they'll do it on their own and then we'll talk about it if I have an iPad, it's different. We just go next to each other and it's different. And then if I show you them on TV, we'll sit down and this thing happens. So maybe it has to do, the smaller the thing is, uh, maybe the, the, but again. No, I think that's, oh, a, that's a super interesting, great idea because the idea is the smaller it gets, well, the larger it is, the more communal it is. The smaller the thing gets physically, by definition, it's only accessible to you. It is closer to your eyes. Your eyes are focusing on this point, and you, you, in some literal sense, have blinders on to everything else. So it's like a way of diverting you into yourself, right? You're just kind of dissolving into this privately nihilistic thing where you're just cut off from the rest of the world. Maybe a way to bring it back to our propaganda stuff. What's, oh, yeah. <laughs> what's even better than talking directly to you oh, and yeah. brainwash you, just you, so yeah. nobody can be like, hey... Stop doing that. Didn't you see that? Look at this guy's expression. He's obviously lying because you're just there, right? Yeah. And the smaller There's it no is, one to check you. The, the smaller it is, the, the easier it is because then all of a sudden you don't notice because the screen is smaller. You don't notice certain particulars that you would notice before. So you're maybe, most vulnerable when you're alone. So maybe. That's, that's, that's super that's, interesting because when you were talking about size, I was thinking of a book is pretty small, right? And you read it by yourself. And if you want someone to read a passage, you hand them the book typically. Um, so that's, you know, like, a aha, but books aren't. But <laughs> I think books maybe are just the more, again, old style propaganda where, I mean, literally books have been published, right? Uh, uh, propagating um, harmful ideas. Uh, but I think it's easier to say, um, wait, but this is one author telling me something mm -hmm. and whatever. Whereas, again, the phone has the individualized element and the moving element. Um, so it's not just one static chunk of information that you're getting. Um, so it not only has the vulnerability of cornering you, which books do, right? Mm -hmm. Books do. Um, but it also has this added element where it becomes more covert and you don't realize that you're being cornered and, and yeah. quote unquote fed. Although and I think that's a simplification, but fed the information. The, and the difference, some of the differences, I think the book thing was good to bring up, seem to be you, when you know you're reading a book, no matter how absorbed you are, like it is book, right? And the other thing about a book is that it's unidimensional. It's doing, it could only do one type of thing, Right. However, with the phone, it is not always I am on phone. Like you are so completely absorbed into it. It's like an aesthetic experience gone wrong, right? You dissolve into something just totally chaotic and, and I would say dangerous. But 
in addition to that, the phone and the computer are also not unidimensional. It's not like the book where it does one thing in a specific way. It does everything. You could be immersed, and I say that in quotes, into an environment with all this crazy visual stimulation that can affect your brain in all these different parts of the uh, ways and how you act and how you feel. And you could hear things and like it just does way more so yeah the 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 new world the the new propaganda the new types of things are much more powerful and i'm i got to say the books were once just probably the only vessel of propaganda at a certain point right and that's why they were burned on, they were burned yes. they burned books those books are bad if you think of art was the same way right if you think of the soviet union there were just specific the regime art the regime books There's, those things were there they were but they had limitations of course as we're saying these things are more immersive i think yeah yeah that that's the difference but you know and maybe the smaller the book the more propagandistic can it be it can be maybe thinking of the little bibles that you can little read pocket thing. all the sudden right the, the bible that you have on you all the time mm -hmm. that you can do the smaller one it's different than when you go and read a big book and you always are conscious of what surrounds you. I don't know if that applies as well. I have no idea, but uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a that's a connection. So it seems to me that we have pinpointed a couple of things here, maybe unknowingly. Uh, the first thing is there is an element where propaganda is more efficient when it can be directed personally to each person, right? Even though the overarching message is the same the fact that i can speak to you directly is even more effective than those than Nuremberg rallies where hitler will talk to mm -hmm. a bunch of people right because it makes you makes you feel even more involved in the whatever ideology if i'm talking specifically to you mm -hmm. if i'm making points that resonate with exactly the way you think right and people even not to interrupt but people will be like i looked it up online yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. like they perform this in-depth research and they came upon this idea so yeah it's not that it's not that the person right. giving the speech told you and hundreds and hundreds of people at the same time you have discovered exactly. this thing i have done this thing you saw the information. Yeah. Nobody told you to go and look. Right, right. It's like it's free floating. Yeah. And this is, I, so there's this funny comic strip where it's like someone's like, I'm going to research and get well-rounded knowledge. Google, literally the first thing that comes up, click it, informed, right? <laughs> like no one else is doing this. And the weirder thing about internet and phones and computers as it relates to propaganda too is like when you have a book, when you have a physical piece of media, it is scarce. It is that thing, and it could easily be destroyed or implemented in a physical sense, but it's like it's that, right? It has physical limitation, right? It's a body. Whereas when you talk about the internet, it is not a physical body. You talk about the cloud, like it can't be getting rid like once it's there it's there you know it's like free it's like another dimension almost you can't just get rid of it and that's kind of scary because it's it's nowhere but it's everywhere and this is something that those other forms could not do you said you can't get rid of it but i was thinking of the exact opposite problem which is like you could go in and change what the article says and be like hmm, what hmm. oh no, I mean, I there's mean, the article the right. link is there and i mean that's the form. what the article says i mean the form yeah, yeah but you're right you're right both could be issues yeah yeah and uh, so 
that seems to be something. Another thing we have said that propaganda has to do with specific institutions, right? So it means that in order for for there to for propaganda to exist, we need specific institutions that deem certain things right, good, true, and so on. Without those things, it doesn't exist, right? Yes. And in this latest form, the institution is the public, the people, mm. right? Mm. So are we, again, becoming, are we becoming this, are we becoming the justice system? Are we becoming the court? Are we becoming uh, the, the scientific community? And is this why we are so inebriated with this? Because now we feel like we have power, even though we know we don't, but mm -hmm. right? We finally have the power to make judgments, to pass on judgments. And maybe that's what's, what's going on here, that we are so in this propagandistic cycle now that we feel empowered by this and we like it and mm -hmm. pretty much there's no coming back from this because of that, because we are exploiting this specific characteristic. All of a sudden, all of us are judges, right? And we always seek for for somebody else confirmation, right? We like to be liked. We like to hear that somebody says, I agree with you, right? Unless you're a philosopher, then that's different. <laughs> but you like to, to hear that, right? And now you have a podium where you can step and you have half of the country saying, I agree with you. And, you know, Mm -hmm. This this leads to this idea probably that propaganda has to do again that we have become the institution for propaganda now. I'm thinking of a uh, Mill in On Liberty. He he says like, you know, you have the the dictator tyranny and like that's bad, and then you get rid of that, and then you have the democracy and the absolute democracy, and decentralization in that sense is supposed to free everyone. But he says, but then that just turns into the tyranny of of the majority. And I think what we're talking about this like Black Mirror episode gone wrong seems to be a form of the tyranny of the majority, right? And this is why you have people like Brennan, who we've talked about in the past, that critiques this, at least on a, on a political level. I think we're making a much more nuanced social critique. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely seems to be related. Um, and I, I mean, the fact stands that we're not all scientists or we're not all judges, right? We don't have the expertise to be doing what we're doing. So it almost reminds me of like, you know, like a kid plays pretend and you're like, oh yeah, 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 you're a, you're the king of the world, you're whatever, you know, and you kind of like, but they're not, right? They're not setting the rules and making the decisions, but we are, right? So it's like, we're the kids playing pretend, but instead of an adult being like, yeah, 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 carry on. Um, we're like, yeah, you can, can, you can vote on someone's life. You can control these things. You yeah. have influence in the world. But then I wonder if, just like a kid, if we will, let's say, I don't know, Anthony writes something terrible on Twitter and Claire gets fired because of what Anthony wrote about Claire. Mm -hmm. And it's not just Anthony, it's everybody else doing this. I'm wondering if then at some point I'll pick Anthony up and I'll be like, look what you did to this person. If mm -hmm. the answer will be like, but I didn't mean this. It was, this was just, we were just talking. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just like a kid will say, but we were just playing. I didn't mean to do this. I'm wondering if we, the reaction will be the same. Mm -hmm. Because in that case, we have uh, uh, some sort of a, um, an antidote to all this, which is maybe keeping people accountable, you know, making people accountable for what they do. Not necessarily by, you know, 
arresting them or telling them you're not supposed to criticize people mm -hmm. but there is something that can be done which is you know face the consequences of what you have done or what you have said this is, this is an instance where i think i'm going back to that idea that the the medium dictates the things that come from it and you know as i said earlier there's this world of like id centrism right where it's just my immediate feelings and emotions and thoughts and things like twitter and other platforms just feed this not only do they profit from it but they feed that fire and so it's like making you more id centric like people aren't w writing well thought out dissertations when they're tweeting things it's not even like blog posts which like are, are a little bit better it's like in it used to be 150 what is it now like 300 like this is the idea that people talk about it's like if you're saying to people you can write 300 characters and certain types of thing get more traffic and you want traffic because you want to be popular and you want to have influence of course you are going to write the most like outlandish things and it's going to fuel your immediate thoughts and feelings so for me it a problem here a solution an antidote as you said is just not using that not giving that the authority to determine the world what is that? You censored it? No, I don't think censorship. I think two possibilities are uh, self-regulation, recognize not only the limits of the form, but also the problems intrinsic to the as form. As an individual, you mean? Yeah, oh, okay. as an individual. Um, but also someone might say that some type of regulation might be good here, not in the sense that you're restricting freedoms, but in the sense that, like, the Constitution is restrictions on what the government can do. And if the tech companies are acting like a de facto government, maybe you need something equivalent to like a, a Bill of Rights to restrict them in the same way. A male has the harm principle, maybe you need something else. Well, Giuseppe, before when you were giving the, the hypothetical example of Anthony posts something terrible about me, I lose my job, and you said maybe the answer is holding um, him accountable, mm -hmm. the poster. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is kind of, I, when you said that, I was like, oh, that's not exactly where I thought it was going, because earlier um, I had I had mentioned cancel culture and we're right. talking about this court of public opinion. And I think more often I don't hear the poster say I was just fooling around. I didn't mean for her to lose her job. I hear the poster say I was holding her accountable for yeah. what she did or what she said. Um, so I, when you said that, it, it, it I was somewhat surprised because it seems like. Yeah. If you cancel her, I'm going to cancel you, right? Like we need to. So I'm wondering if going instead to Twitter mm -hmm. and holding them accountable, mm -hmm. um, what about this medium is creating that? Why would such an inflammatory post rise to so mm -hmm. high in, in, I don't know, Twitter language? I don't use Twitter, whatever. Why did it get so, so widely publicized? Mm -hmm. um, and maybe letting them figure that out in their algorithm and, and somehow slapping them on the wrist in the meantime, um, which would rather than holding him account Anthony accountable the individual poster um I thought you were almost going to say the opposite which was like maybe we should have more of a sense of humor and grace and say people say stupid stuff and, and that's, uh, that, that's ideal right yeah um, yeah I think, I think that in order to recover from the place where we are at uh, and again I, I agree with you you always hear the poster say hey, yeah I was holding her accountable for whatever she did but the poster is doing that still from a pulpit, still from a place or public display, right? And of course, you're gonna still gonna play the character that you're in at that point. 
But if I physically show you the results out, out of the spotlight, right? Mm -hmm. This is what you did. I wonder how we will, we will react. And that was the, like the person part. to person. Yes, in the room. yes. Sure. That's different, probably. As for keeping, you know, you know, making accountable, like the the the, the tool, the medium, right? These companies. Uh, I've I'm always again hesitant with this. It's the same thing. Um, so, do you guys believe that, for example, um, you know, gun companies should be should be responsible for this misuse of gun? That's a unidimensional product. True. I understand the difference there, but isn't that kind of similar to the idea? I think the scale is what makes the difference. I think even if you can establish the type is the same, I think the scale is the culprit. I, I, I think the type is definitely the same, right? You have a company that gives you a product that you can access, mm -hmm. um, and you decide to use this product one way or another. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the thing that I thought you, was going, you were going to say is like, yes, but most people abuse Twitter, yeah, not true, most people abuse guns, that's right? That's absolutely true, yeah. Um, and that's, that's the difference, right? You can say, well, there must be something in anything wrong if most people are abusing those medium, while few people, thankfully, are abusing the other one. Uh, there must be a difference there that's almost metaphysical, right? Yeah, I mean, think of, like, think of, um, I'm going to use an example. I can't think of a specific movie, but I'm going to go Disney style here and just think of someone that casts a spell on everyone. Okay. Right? The people under the spell behave in certain ways, think in certain ways, right? At the end of the day, they only did that. It's like completely contingent upon the fact that the spell was there. Okay, so remove the language of, and therefore you would hold the spellcaster as the one who's ultimately accountable, right? Mm -hmm. So replace the language of spell with, okay, if everyone is drunk off of these products, yeah. uh, if the technology is literally psychologically altering and exploiting people, then that's kind of like a spell. And of course, individual users are still responsible, at least to some extent. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to get to the root of the problem and not snip at branches, you have to look at the spell, cancer, uh, spell count, uh, caster. In that case, I think that the more apt uh, comparison is between social media and, and our food. That's exactly what I was thinking. And our food stuff. But, but I think... So, yeah, because the food industry creates super fatty, unhealthy products that stimulate your brain and you want more of them and the advertisements are all flashy and attractive. Um, but I think so the thing that might make something like a, a junk food company not propagandistic is they don't. They don't say this is gonna make you lose weight and be physically healthier usually right, right. like cheetos isn't saying, saying that they're, they're saying, saying dangerously <laughs> cheesy I, I, I wish <laughs> they're like they're like this is gonna taste great and they do right they sell you a product they say you're gonna like it you like it um whereas there has to be some level of dishonesty right back to the what is it davos Whatever the oh, yeah, when yeah, they yeah. all meet and they're like freedom, free thinking, individualization, yeah. um, and and then there's like this 1984 complete opposite uh, uh, results, right? So, right, Cheetos 
does uh, uh, capture your attention and, and mess with your biology and make you want more and more and they know what they're doing. Um, but they're not uh, double speaking most of the time, right? They're not saying that they're going to give you the exact opposite of that. And even if they were, which they shouldn't, that would still be, because I think you're absolutely right. I think that was like a good explanation. In addition to that, uh, it's still a, a unidimensional thing. It's the food, and it, of course, it's affecting your emotions and, and your bodily health. So maybe it's not unidimensional, but it's less dimensions than the all-encompassing thing, right? It's like you have a knife, you buy something from the store, you have a gun, and then you have food. And then it's like, and then you have this thing that's an um, experience machine that is just everything in your brain, right? So food, yeah, food has an incredibly intimate effect on you and your yes. body in a way that a gun doesn't. Yes. But it's not, maybe not a medium for reality in yeah. the way that it's, the it's internet is. It's more drug-like than the things below it and less, dr and less drug-like than the things above it in the scale. I, I don't know. I've, I mean, considering the effect that food has on your body in general, I think it's more totalizing than, well, as totalizing as social media would say. I think we see the effect a little less, uh, and I think that's from this perspective is more within propaganda actually than than that because it's again, it's so it's so basic for us that we don't even think of those things as propaganda. You may, and you know what? I'll even tap out. You might be right about where food falls on the hierarchy. I guess all I mean to say is there is some kind of hierarchy of things that are drug-like. And the ones that are more drug-like are, are more like spells and are more dangerous. I, I will also say that the food the food industry, I'm sure, does propagandistic stuff, right? Because oh, yeah. now I'm even thinking of like the, the light and fit yogurts that have like 25 and grams like of sugar. And those old commercials we, we but watch. But regardless, I will still say uh, the food is the more old school style propaganda where the company is putting out. It's not It's not this horizontal social propaganda where like we're convincing each other to eat the light and fit yogurt usually i mean I now mean, we have like instagram influencers <laughs> and stuff so it gets dicey but there's more of a traditional powerful body behind the food industry stuff it whereas this other stuff we're talking about seems to be more diffuse social ideas where it's like who is the who is the guy in the dark room behind all of it and i think that that there is an intersection uh you just made that connection you know the the talking about eating the best fit yogurt for you on Instagram, mm -hmm. right? And the, to the intersection I will add, so there is a mo there is a point, in my opinion, where propaganda is at its best, right now, and it is the intersection between social media, health, and food as part of health mm -hmm. as a byproduct of that, or maybe health as a byproduct of food, because I think with these three things work together. There's, you're really immersed into this thing. You'd really, again, do you go to the gym? Mm -hmm. We all go, to, well, I don't, but you know, most people go to the gym, <laughs> right? Why do you go to the gym? Because you're supposed to be healthy because this way you live longer this way and you're supposed to watch what you eat and you're supposed to behave in a specific way. All those things are, have been established in the past 20 years, 25 years, and I don't think that they're being established how can I say? Uh, just because we had decided this is what we wanted to do. There was a design there. There was a propaganda. Yeah, it's not arbitrary. No. Yeah. There was a propaganda that went there and that made us believe this thing. Again, I can mention, and 
these things again, I'm sure you guys know. Uh, throughout the years, for example, we have changed the level of blood sugar in your in your in your blood. Uh, that's supposed to be the optimum, right? Same thing with cholesterol, same thing. And of course, if you look from the perspective of propaganda, what I would call propaganda, you will hear that, well, because we know better right now, we know we approximate to this absolute truth more, so now it's obvious it's different, right? We can do better. Before, you were told that, I don't know, working out, you need to do this, but, you know, be careful after a certain age, just slow down. Now you're told to do the opposite mm. or to do differently. And those things, one can see them as we're, get, we're, we're progressing, right? We approximate this absolute truth. Mm -hmm. Some other people might say, well, maybe that's the product of some, some sort of propaganda, right? Sure. It becomes so pervasive that now your physical lifestyle becomes the battlefield of propaganda. It's not what you think. It's also what you do with your body. Or maybe it's always been that. Yeah, and there, I think there's a manner in which it's real progression and a manner in which it's probably not. And so the manner in which it is is like, okay, we no longer have those machines from the 80s, the bands that just vibrate your stomach, and they're like, oh, you're losing weight. But we have other more effective things. But the, He's laughing right now. But the manner in which it is not is like you're saying. It's like, do more. Do this. Only do this all of your time. And so, you know, by the end of the day, I think what you're saying is, Right now, we have this perfect combination of the physical, right, the biological, let's say, the psychological, and the social. So it's like, well, all right, all sides of the of the triangle are hit on. At the end of the day, this just is like, you know, that uh, that Black Mirror episode. I think it was the second one where everyone, all I'm around screens all day, and I can't not look at the screens, and I have to be on the exercise bike to earn all my points so that I can obtain more things to stay alive and be in front of the screens. And I just think about that sometimes, and I just, I just get really sad. <laughs> and, and I think that the, ultimately the object, objective of the new propaganda seems to be not just the control of the system where you are, but the absolute control of your physical and social life. Yep. And we're obtaining this by being obsessed mainly with keeping alive, I guess. But maybe that's, that's something that we need to talk about another time. So it's, it's definitely the mispriorities and the false conception of the good, but... Claire, anything that you want to say? I mean, I, I wanted to fight you on the health stuff a little bit, but I feel like we're <sighs> wrapping up because I feel like little a little little nugget to yeah, leave yeah, the yeah. listeners please, with. Please, please, please. I, think I think that there's uh, simultaneously this, if we're going to call them propaganda campaign, that says, um, you know, love yourself as you are and don't give in to this Ooh, toxic diet points, culture. Because I think I think something close to an objective truth is you're gonna you're gonna feel better if you move your body and you're gonna live longer if you don't like you know, gorge on junk food and stuff like that. Those are obviously there are extremes and people are selling stupid, like slim down teas on Instagram and stuff. Um, but earlier we were like, what are the objective truths? I think those are pretty, pretty damn close. Right. W without talking about the formal stuff, like move your body, don't eat junk, you'll feel better. Um, and I think that people are easier to manipulate and they're much more vulnerable when they are unhealthy and 
uh, not feeling good physically, not attracting people socially. Um, so I think that there's at least multiple propaganda campaigns when it comes to how do how do we affect people physically. That's true. That, That's true. Definitely. However, we're going into extra innings. Extra innings. Yes. <laughs> However, I will contend that the model that you see depicted usually on social media and the things that you hear the most is the side of eat well, be healthy, eat, be fit. This is what you see on TV. This is what you see. And if you look at Instagram posts, it's more that model. Now, up until now, I was going to say it's there's, it's there's, changing. Some like, people's news feeds yeah, don't have a lot of slim down belly tees on it. I was about to say now we seem to go in the direction just by product of what we're saying of everything goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which again, it's, I guess it's, it's, it's it gives merit term. merit to to what you to what you. It's saying. a contradictory term. It's it's the the authoritarianism of relativism. It's a weird contradiction where you see components of both things. And there's propaganda coming in all directions. The pendulum swings here, the pendulum swings there. And there's all these different dimensions. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, I don't think to go back to our walk, which some of you guys attended, this is not a, a left versus right thing. This is a a propaganda versus not propaganda, uh, authoritarianism versus not authoritarian thing. And there are critiques that can be given from different political points, and maybe they all have something good to say and something not good to say. But at the end of the day, we're talking about something that is not easily dismissed, not easily defined, something that we have to think carefully about. And hopefully we did that a little for us and you guys today. <laughs> well, as usual, I think that... We're more confused now than when we started, which is always the objective, the platonic right? Platonic aporia. Yeah. Which is what tells you that we're not propagandists, right? Good. <laughs> there I like you go. it. I like it. And on, there that you go. Note, there you go. and on that note, we will see you guys around. Yeah. See you soon. See ya. Bye. Yeah.